Our scripture reading will be from Micah chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. And I'll give you a moment to turn to it in your Bibles. Um, again, it's Micah chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. Let's begin. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod, they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Epephthah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth, then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd the flock, his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. May God bless the reading of his word. Over to Pastor Jeff. Good morning, my friends at Crossbridge. Good to be with you. Let's say you are hiking, you're backpacking, and you're walking along into a valley, and before you is a very steep hill. It's really, you could call it a mountain if you want. It's like 700 feet high and it's very steep. And you knew that this was a rough backpacking trip. You had laid out the plan ahead of time and you thought, I knew it was gonna be a lot uphill. If I can just get over that hill, I know it's downhill after that and I can make camp and rest. So up you go, up, 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 switchbacks. It's very steep, takes you like 40 minutes to get up there and you get to the summit, hang on. It wasn't the top. It's what they call a false summit. There's another mountain, and this one is a mountain, beyond that. Oh, man. And then you know what? If you kept going, oh, my goodness. There's actually another mountain after that, and this one has a little bit of snow on it. Now, the reason I talk to you about backpacking and hiking and false summits is because it's pertinent to prophecy. It actually gives us a rule of interpreting prophecy. Here's the idea. If you're down here in the valley, you can't see, and your, your line of sight is like this, you can't see the next mountain. That's why they call it a false uh, horizon. If you're up here on the top of this mountain, you can see the lower mountain, you can see the hill slash mountain, because you have a different line of sight. And that's what is going on with Micah and the other Old Testament prophets. They could see so far, as they prophesied about the future, they couldn't see as much as a person who's further down the track can see. That's, that's you and me today, thousands of years later. We can see more. I'm going to come back to that, but I'll show you how it plays out in our passage here. Micah chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. First of all, let's talk about Micah and his people down here in the valley. For them, for us, it's a past. For them, it was their present reality. 
Here's the background that we see feeding into verse 1, chapter 5, verse 1. Now, muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against you. With a rod, they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. Okay, what's going on here? Siege warfare. Do you remember your Old Testament Bible history? The northern kingdom, we call that Israel, was idolatrous and, and violent, and they had turned away from the living God, and God said, enough. So he sent the big old superpower, Assyria, to discipline his people, and they conquered the northern kingdom, and they deported the people, and they set up a puppet king. And then they kept coming south, because Micah lived in the south near Jerusalem, we called the southern kingdom Judah, and they kept coming south and threatening the south because the south wasn't that much better than the north. They were idolatrous. They oppressed the poor people and the middle class. Their preachers told them, you know, they're just tickling ears, told them what they wanted to hear. They were drunkards. They weren't much different than the, the nations round about. And so God was using Assyria and they started carving away little pieces of the southern kingdom. Remember earlier in the book, it talks about 46 cities being conquered by the Assyrians. And now they came up to the city, Jerusalem, and they laid siege. Siege warfare was terrible. That's how you did it with walled cities. There was starvation and disease inside the city. And verse one says, siege is laid against us. With a rod, they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. What does that mean? To, to hit someone on the cheek is the ultimate uh, shame and uh, 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 dissing of that person. And they hit the judge of Israel on the cheek with a rod. The word could be translated scepter, like you know, the symbol of their authority, the kingly authority. I will show you who do you think you are. And so humiliation goes along with this siege warfare. Okay, in that valley, God gave Micah a vision of the future. He probably wasn't 100% clear on what he was seeing or when he was, his vision was referring to, which mountain peak, but he gave Micah a vision of hope. And here is the vision, future deliverance. For us, it was past, but for him, it was still future deliverance through the little town of Bethlehem. Chapter five, verses two and three. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Pause there. When you're studying your Bible and reading it, slow down and notice these key connective words like, but, right? Siege warfare and strike you on the cheek and humiliation. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Ephrathah was the region around Bethlehem, the geographic region. You who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old. 
from ancient days. Wow. Take hope, people of the South. Lift up your vision because deliverance is coming through, of all places, little old Bethlehem. Little Nowheresville, Bethlehem. It's not even in the list of cities. It didn't even have a big enough population. Uh, back in the book of Joshua, when they were uh, naming all the cities and apportioning things, it was not even listed. But you, O oh Bethlehem, isn't this precious? God speaks. He directly addresses, O oh little town of Bethlehem. From you will come the ruler, the Messiah. His going forth will be of old. What does that mean? It means he's eternal. He is ancient. So Micah is looking forward to this deliverance, although even Micah didn't know how, how deep the valley was and how far he had to travel through the valley. He thought his big problem was Assyria. Well, Babylon was coming next, and he didn't even know it. We're looking backward. We're on a further mountain. He didn't even know after that would come Persia, the next superpower. Then after that would come Greece, Alexander the Great. Then after that would come Rome. <laughs> we get up to the New Testament times. But you, O Bethlehem, though you be little among the clans of Judah, out of you will come the eternal one. Did he even recognize everything he was saying? This would be a son of David. Bethlehem was the city of David, right? He came from there. But not just, not just a, the offspring or not just, you know, a, a descendant of David, not just a descendant. Your goings forth have been forever. Oh my goodness. And this is what he was looking forward to. Micah in the valley looking forward we, at this age, looking backward, O little town of Bethlehem. May I pause here? I want, I want to deal with the rest of our passage. I want to move us through on our hike up these mountains. But let me just pause here and say, there is a principle here of the kingdom. God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom, right? The first will be last. The last will be first. The greatest among you must serve, wash feet. And Jesus models this and he embodies this and he got this new covenant going by being born in Nowheresville. Messiah comes from nowhere. That's what this passage teaches us. Today, we tend to think of, uh, you know, being born in a stable and laid in a manger. That's just that uh, we've heard that. We sing about it away in the manger. It just sounds very normal to us. Like, well, those ancient people, I guess they were very primitive. No, it was not normal to be born in a stable. It was not normal to give birth as our artwork depicts it with the animals roundabout. Today, it's like if you were to give birth in the shed behind your house where you keep the lawnmower, or maybe like finding an out-of-the-way nook at a tea station on the green line 
on one of the platforms. This is God's kingdom. Greatness in a manger. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. But out of you will come one who is from of old. He modeled it and he calls us to walk in his steps. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, didn't think equality with God something to be grasped, mine, 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 mine. But he laid aside his rights, took upon himself human likeness, made like a servant, and it all began in Bethlehem. So that's what Micah was looking forward to. Once again, we're not sure how, if he knew, you know, the extent of time and all these superpowers that were, were still in front of him, but we look back on it now and we worship our Lord Jesus at this time of year. It all started in Bethlehem. Look at the next verse, verse three. Therefore, he shall give them up, like discipline his people, like, like deliver them over, give them up to all these different powers. He shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. That's what we remember. She who was in labor, for us past tense, gave birth. Now, Micah has other prophecies here, which his line of sight may not have allowed him to see as much as we're able to see uh, further. But the next thing he talks about is a future restoration, which for us is actually the present. So, he, so going forward, he talk, I'll show it to you in the text, he talks about the next thing that would happen. But for us, it's our present. We're talking about the church age because in this future restoration, he is going to gather a family from all over the earth. And we see that in verses three and four. Then, there's another of those important connective words. Then after, you know, the virgin gives birth and Bethlehem and all that, then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God and they shall dwell secure, for now he will be great to the ends of the earth. So here we have this Messiah, this born in nowheresville, this ruler of Israel in the line of David. We have him gathering from all over the world a family. He will gather his family. He will extend that family to all the nations of the earth. He, after she who is in labor gives birth, then the rest of his brothers will return. He will stand and shepherd 
his flock in the strength of the Lord, and they shall dwell secure from the ends of the earth. So that's where we are today. We call it the church age. And we're looking back to Bethlehem, but for Micah, it was still forward. That's what's happening today. He is gathering a family, regathering his people from Israel and extending that to the ends of the earth, namely the Gentiles. That's what's going on today. The Gentiles, most of us, you and I, are being grafted into this people of God. He came from nowhere and he's gathering a people from everywhere. We just had our uh, missions and social concern emphasis, and this is what we're talking about. The gospel going out through all the earth, gathering a family of the most unexpected people. This is what Jesus has done. He inaugurated it there in Bethlehem. Can I show you one more mountain? Future for Micah, actually future for us also. Because, you know, our line of sight is not perfect. If we're here in the church age down here, we can't see the next mountain either. But the next mountain is in our passage, still future for us. And it is this, he will be great to the ends of the earth. His fame, reputation, power, worship, people will come. He will be great to the ends of the earth. That's not happening yet, is it? This is still future for us. But Micah saw it, and we hope for it, and we pray for it, and work for it. He will be great to the ends of the earth. We see that in verses 4 and 5. The ma- he will stand and he will shepherd in the strength of the, uh, of the name of the Lord his God. They shall dwell secure, for he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. We're still waiting for that because we do not live in a time of universal acknowledgement universal fame, every knee will bow. We're not there yet. We have to look forward also to that final mountain, that final fulfillment of what Micah was talking about. But like Micah and all the people in between Micah and us, now we have to walk by faith. This is our hope. He will be great to the ends of the earth. He will be our shalom. Reminds me of that song that we've sung a couple of times. We're learning at Crossbridge. We will feast in the house of Zion. We will sing with our hearts restored. Here's what we'll sing. He has done great things. We'll say together. We will feast and weep no more. That's what we're looking forward to. This final stage of fulfillment, this final making good on his promise, he will be great to the ends of the earth. So can we put this teaching, this text into a statement? 
He came from nowhere, Bethlehem. He's gathering a family from everywhere, Gentiles. And one day, he will be great and famous and known and honored to the ends of the earth. So, put your hope in God. Micah did. And we do too, even though we see more clearly and have a different line of sight than he had. But we have to walk by faith. Hebrews puts it this way. Hebrews chapter 2. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. Right? That's the way it is right now. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus. That's what we remember at Christmas. That's what we remember at Bethlehem. So he's gathering a family from everywhere, having come from nowhere, and one day he will be universally acknowledged, uh, his greatness. Now, question, are you a member of the family? Have you put your hope in him? Do you cleave to him by faith as your personal savior? The Apostle Paul said, one day every knee is going to bow. Every, you know, one day he will be great to the ends of the earth. Everybody's going to acknowledge this. Well, why not now? Why not do it now? Christmas 2020. What a great time to say, you're the Lord. The Lord of all, you, you are eternal from the line of David. I place my faith in you. I want to be your follower. Help me, Lord. Thank you for gathering a family. Include me in your family. That's what I want for each of us at Crossbridge Christmas 2020. He came from nowhere. <laughs> He's gathering a family from everywhere. Be part of that family. And one day, he will be famous and great and honored to the ends of the earth. Amen. Make it so. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs>